Hello, I'm Emile Villet, founder of Aspod and author of You're Not Broke, You're Pretty Rich, and you're listening to The Wallet. Every week we give you the best tips, guidance, and a good dose of inspiration and motivation to manage your money better. We live in a world where Kim Kardashian has 70 times more Instagram followers than the Louvre Museum. Why does that matter? According to my guest today, Marin Tangi, CEO of award-winning talent agency for artists, MT Art, imagery, like anything else, can be healthy or harmful, addictive or nutritious. And now, more so than ever, this has become a massive issue with the huge cultural impact of social media. Marin doesn't invest in art, she invests in artists. And today she'll tell us why, how she helped artists grow and accelerate their careers, but also how to get started investing in art and what's driving the market. The UK gender pension gap is 38% on average, rising to almost 60% in some regions. There are barriers at almost every stage of a woman's life, limiting her ability to save for retirement. Today's sponsor is Pension B. Pension B is a leading online pension provider that has enabled thousands of savers to be pension confident by helping them transfer their old pensions together into one simple online plan. You can download the app or head to pensionb.com for more information or speak to their team of beekeepers. Just remember that capital is at risk. Remember that we are not certified financial advisors. Information shared in this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not constitute financial advice. I'd love to talk about how you build a business, but at the same time, how you work within the business and how you choose your artist and how we can all start sort of changing our environment and what we see. And you did a really good TED talk uh, called Visual Diet, where you said that, you know, what, what we see on a daily basis is actually impacting our yes. mental health, our mood. Um, how do you choose your artists? So um, we have a selection committee. Um, my thinking was that, so the biggest mistake I've, I've made and I regret is to have called the company after me purely because I didn't <laughs> think I'd become a company. So it's, I thought I'd be a consultant for a while trying this kind of weird idea out. And obviously we became <laughs> a great company. Um, what it did mean is that I tried to erase Marine in quite a lot of ways. And I think one is from the taste idea and more from the democratic election of an artist kind of entering the company. It's also from the team perspective, this is why I was so proud to hire like the top entrepreneurs like Lisa Arlo or Jan Matthias and, and go out there with people who were smarter than me just purely because I could show it wasn't a founder with a few juniors. It was very much like a strong team who will back up artists. Um, so I think the selection committee is built in that same sense. We want to get artists who represent the generation who are um, who we could provide loads of opportunities for and hopefully in 20 years time the people would remember. Um, our taste in that perspective is irrelevant. Um, yeah. In fact, there are people that, you know, it's not my taste, um, but I'm happy because I get on well with them. They're successful with us. It's almost irrelevant. Um, and I think our system is very much that, like we back people. I think what, who they are as people in terms of their drive, their ambition, their vision is almost so much more relevant than that works. That work is just the entry. They have to be talented. Um, they have to be technically accomplished and conceptually strong, but it's, um, but it's very much a personality that's going to get someone to be successful. It's a little bit like a, an investment company where you pick your projects and you pick the best teams. Uh, exactly. Because, you know, they, totally. will, they will actually deliver. Totally. And I think I'm very like a Lego person. Like I like yeah. building things and I, um, 
you know, I think that business was, uh, you know, I did it for Canyon Canyon, France and Poitiers, and then History of Arts. I dropped out of both to two years for both, but my my brain construction is much more philosophical and artistic than it is business. But I think what philosophy kind of give you is the Lego construction. You're constructing ideas. You're ultimately trying to understand, is my idea solid? And if, if the idea is solid, then it should be, a, you know, less of little Legos all going around it that will be able to flourish. And I think that was the simple way in which I built the business. Like it wasn't... Um, a complicated business plan. It was just a vision is clear. Um, I just want to see if it works. Um, and I have been ever since that, that person in terms of the build up of it. And I enjoy it. Like every new step of it is very different. Obviously at that level of valuation and, and growth is once again, a very different beast in terms of what you need to do for it. Um, but I don't know, like, I think it's again me picking back my Legos at every stage and trying to understand how you put them together. Um, and I enjoy it. I think I found it interesting intellectually. And, and a few weeks ago, you were recognized by the, by the Times as the 17th fastest growing <laughs> company in the UK, uh, which is really cool. Um, but I feel a big part of your mission is also to economically empower your artists. Yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit about money, maybe, and what does money mean yeah. to you? Yeah, I think, you know, it's, I think the economics are my pride because, again, I come from a philosophical and artistic background. Um, and we put together a philosophical mission and vision, um, which got us all to be motivated to build the company ultimately, right? And, um, and we knew that the economical, the economics, if they were not working out, would doom the entire project. Yeah. Um, so they are my pride in a sense that like they are my Legos because I knew that if I couldn't put the economics together, then my entire mission, the values I so want to fight for and the vision I want to build will collapse. Um, so I, I feel proud first to not come from the business school and, and having, you know, gone about economics in a very different way. Um, I think the Sunday Times recognition for us is, is important because of that, because we're alongside all the other sectors and we're saying, an art sector company can just grow as fast as a tech company, you know, and any other type of finance or fintech kind of all the ones that you normally hear in terms of fast growth. Um, and I think for us, this again, the victory on the economics is, is saying that by designing something that was philosophical to start with, doesn't mean that it can't be integrated into our society. Um, and that's why we were the first B Corp in our yeah. sector, because I, I think, yeah, I, I've, I've looked for economical justifications to do what I truly believed philosophically, but therefore it made me want to be very literate economically. Um, and what's really nice to kind of fast forward a few years and hopefully that's inspiring to anyone who is not um, really into numbers in the first place is that realistically, yes, we are a very profitable uh, company. We're doing really well in terms of numbers. Um, And my relationship with economics, therefore, is really one of execution. It's, it's one of if if the economics are doing well, then we can do all the dreams and the projects and the vision that we have as a company. So we've been very fortunate um, on that sense. I think the fact that, you know, it had to work from the start, I'm sure it pushed me. And I think my vision to the economics has always been, again, back to the Lego blocks. It's um, looking at it in a very simple way, like... I never had the complex modeling of finance. I've always just had 
is this revenue stream viable? Is is this one uh, doable? How much would we need to invest um, to get that? But my questions have always been very simple. simple. Um, and if the answer was simple, then that means we could do it. Um, so I've tried to really simplify my approach to it, just so I could comprehend it, I could drive it. Um, and of course, you get to a stage where now I have a larger team where people are much more well-versed in it. But, I, you know, my advice is to just really go like the little girl who sell lemonade outside of your parents' home is simple. Um, and if that simplicity is working, then I think you're on to a business model that is probably um, very powerful. And you, you said in, in an interview, when, when someone asked you the best advice you ever received, be careful, you are the only one in this room who do not come from wealth. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, yeah, so Yannick Pont, who is actually the first ever collector to have bought me something for me in um, when I was 19 at the pad. Um, Yannick went on to become coronal entrepreneur in France um, and, and to have sold multiple companies at the time. So we, we're super close. I mean, it's like... He hates it when I say it, but yeah, it's now 14 years ago <laughs> that we have we have met, and I am you know it's more than an investor for me. He's like been also a dear friend. I think Yannick is what's really sweet with the mentorships that I've received is um, I had very tough love type of mentorships where I, I am very you know the way I've been raised is also granny is like will tell you something and it just it would not be polite or prepared mm. to be told in a certain way that you might like it. It's just, it's just the way it is. Um, so I am, um, I like to receive things as they are, um, which is not for everyone, obviously, but for me, it suits me. And I think therefore I had mentors who were like this, who, who would tell me things as they were. And I think Yannick was always concerned that, especially as I was very philosophically driven and I was in a world where, you know, most people come from a huge amount of wells that I would not put the economics at the heart of it. Now, Yannick is a classic businessman where the economics rule everything. So he is someone that therefore would be really careful with it um, and would see that as a priority. But I think it's been nice to therefore keep in check with it because for every, you know, milestone of press or and like, you know, even when I will get a Forbes or anything, Yannick will always be like, but how much have you guys earned that year? Like, how much are you projecting? Um, and, and I see that as very protective, um, from him and, and a stark reminder on a constant basis of, you know, the realities of the business yeah. that I need to be running. So he's very proud, um, at that stage. Um, and, but I think at the time he was concerned that I would, um, lose my sense of priorities. Yeah. So always looking at the, at, at the economics and, and, I mean, you, you're an advocate really for, for your artists. How do you empower them to really thrive? Um, you know, I think at this stage, you know, quite a few of them are established or at least mid-level. So like yeah. Lorenzo Queen has 300 people in his studio. Like a lot of the ones I work with are like now got quite a big name. So I think they definitely don't need Marine to <laughs> empower them in any sense. Um, I think, I think the, I think I am, you know, it's, um, it's funny because recently, because we're growing, um, my CEO interviewed everyone on why people, uh, lacked also to be part of the company. And, 
And I was one of the names that therefore really came up as the first. And that really surprised me because I think I'm someone that is, again, back on the tough love. Yeah. I am just very direct. I care enormously at 2 a.m. if there's a problem. Um, incredibly reliable, consistent source, I think, as a person. Um, but I'm not the person that's constantly going to send you, you know, um, a hushes of compliments on a daily yeah. basis. It's just not me. But I will be there um, at all your key moments. And I've been lucky at this stage. Uh, my artists have had kids. They've had also difficulties or anything like this. And I've attended all of this. And I feel very close to them for that yeah. reason. Um, so I think... I think my strength probably for them is much more how consistent and reliable I am, um, which maybe is that is the empowerment because it gives you a sense of stability that ultimately as, as the world is going through highs and lows, you know, quite a lot of people would change jobs quite a lot and would change what they want to do or not. Like ultimately, you know, I'm 15 years in, seven years into the company um, and still doing the same thing, um, obviously in different ways every day and learning every day. But I think that is probably what rushes my artist is, is my stability and consistency and the fact that my advice will be very coming from my experience and very sound, I think. Um, but I'm definitely not the person that will just be all over the top of compliments. Um, it's, um, which is why I was surprised that therefore there was something that people appreciated so much. I wasn't expecting to be coming as a, high note of appreciation. If we now talk a little bit about investing in art, and I know your credo is don't invest in art, invest in artists. Where can anyone start with, you know, a small budget, a medium budget, just to think about what is art as, as an asset class? Yeah. Um, what I think, first of all, I think to take a tiny step back, the investing in art is used right, left and center. So it's important to like if uh, you were suddenly saying, I want to buy stock options, I would be saying, do read a little bit um, before you just randomly buy stock, stock options. So I would be saying the same advice on that level. Um, there are quite a lot of resources you can find online nowadays. Um, what's also I would really advise is to do it with a couple of friends because I think it's nice to kind of, you know, I'm I'm saying it for the stock option for myself because I think I've done this for the stock option in the same way that I'm that person for the investment and not for my friends. But I found that all of us are therefore able to advise on very different topic of investment. And I think it's easier because then you can share articles, you can compare what you've like find, what you've been told and everything. And it's probably much more comforting. Um, you can invest in any budget. Like my first ever work of art at 19 was £400. Um, which, you know, after this, I had Connor Harrington as well, which was at the time 600 pounds, which now will be probably like 7,000 pounds or seven and a half. So I think it's easier, obviously, coming for me because I'm an insider and, and I would see which artists are starting doing really well. If you're not an insider, once again, it's to research, is to be otherwise with insiders, um, or find the right insiders. Um, or to do amongst friends, but ultimately, small budgets are totally doable. It just it's a matter of looking through, you know, the upcoming shows, the reviews, um, you know, who is really coming up on the scene. I think with everything and the same way stop auctions, it's a case of trying to have a small portfolio, so at least three or four people, because um, you can take different types of risks. So as an example. You know, David Savant Schreiber with us is very successful at this stage for the past, you know, 10 years. 
So when you buy a work of his and you save up for a work of his, it's very unlikely to, you know, not continue to rise because he's got that kind of perfect track record, but it's a, it's a more expensive to start investing in, right? Um, so it'd be nice to make something like this and a work like this with someone that's super emergent, but realistically has everything to prove still. And then maybe like a print with someone that's mega established, but again, is clearly continuing to be established. So just having different levels of carriers, um, just so that you, you, you're kind of mixing your risk. It's, um, it's like, you know, some of my investors had invested in my company at the most ridiculous valuation. So my first investor, Chris, invested at a valuation that was 30 times less than it is now. But also the company could have gone bust six yeah. months later, yeah. right? Because we were like one year old. So it's, um, it's, it's kind of considering this, like smaller budgets will come with higher risk. So it might also at times be better up to save up over two years and just go for something slightly more established, um, who is, you know, therefore has a track record that's much more certain and then go. So I think it's, it's understanding first your level of risk, how comfortable you are with it. You know, Chris, if I think of him as an investor, he's very comfortable with risk. Um, so it's understanding at what level. Some of my investors will come at a more medium valuation for us are much less comfortable with risk in that sense. They want something that's already proven. So what, what level of risk are you comfortable with? And then research. Research can be acquired through insiders, can be research yourself or can be amongst friends where you make it a fun thing. And you go as a couple, you say, you know, twice a month, so we'll go and, we'll go and see staff together and that'll be part of us looking for it. Um, and that can hopefully be a, a fun thing that you share amongst friends or with a relationship. And you talked earlier about taste. So do you buy art also because you love it? Or would you buy art personally because you want to make an investment knowing that maybe it's going to be very illiquid and you might not be able to sell your piece of art? So is it really an investment? How do you approach like the philosophy behind I think, buying art? So personally, so now I'm in a relationship for the past seven years. So, you know, obviously like you, I have to um, talk when something goes up on the wall because he's already has so many things on the walls. So it's, it's a common decision now. Um, I think at this stage, well, there are definitely times where, you know, like when the artist Lynette, who just had a solo show at Tate and I knew the solo show was coming and I saw it at auction for very little, I did move really fast on that night to buy it. Um, so there are times I can see that opportunity yeah. and I'm just like, you know, must buy it because I'm in the sector and I can see she's about to be massive, right? It's really people driven. It's, um, emotionally driven, ideas driven. But again, we have tons of art where we are um, because it's been many years in it. So I think we're definitely not, you know, I just see so much of it that I think very regularly we make a decision. Um, and and I think it'll be fun to kind of, as you know, like as kids grow up, like you just, I'm sure they will voice their opinion as well. And I'm looking forward to kind of be in a place where they can also voice what they like and what they don't like. Yeah. So I think it's nice. I think it's becoming a family thing, um, which, uh, which I'm enjoying a lot. And can you tell me what is driving prices in the, in the art market? I think there's people like us as the answer. Like yeah. it's, um, ultimately the way to look at art is like anything else in, as a B2C business, yeah. like you are creating desire on 
something. So, you know, the reason the makeup of Charlotte Tilbury is more expensive than your boot classic makeup is because Charlotte Tilbury has got this incredible brand um, for herself and she's made herself an expert as a makeup artist who who's done most of the celebrities and everyone that we know and she's therefore make a big name on the project, right? So marketing is always a big part of it. Now, it doesn't mean her products are not good. Yeah. Um, well, I think everything is like this. So I think this is why um, people like us ultimately, you know, you create desire. Now, I like to think that we create desire on people who are talented. So it's not like you're creating desire on something that's nothingness. Um, but you are doing marketing and, and the marketing is, um, proving that your artist is constantly achieving milestones. Um, and career milestones can vary from public art projects to institutions, to auctions, to, you know, big features, um, by very known journalists, um, et cetera, et cetera. So whatever the milestones, um, are depending on the career of the artist. Um, but yes, you, you are building that market pricing. It's, it's us who are building it. It's the people who manage the artists who yeah. are building the market pricing. I again like it because, you know, I think it's suddenly, I've always felt like when I was doing Cagnes, um, my, so the study in France called Prépa, Hippocanian Cagnes, I was um, flat sharing with someone that was doing Prépa in math. And I've always been so jealous of how creative he was with numbers. And I've always thought that's interesting because if someone had shown this to me, I would probably have enjoyed it much more. Um, but actually, when I realized that, you know, pricing are just a representation of how many people desire something and, and how good of a job you have done at creating that desire and at creating that appeal, then I found that really exciting and creative because you're, you're creatively, there's so much you can do for people to adore your artist, adore their art and, and look up to that person. So, and that's our, that's very much our job. And so I think it's magical for me when people, you know, um, are excited to meet the artists, are looking up to them, think they're amazing. Ultimately, a part of that is our job. Um, but I'm saying it with obviously being humble because they're incredible, but it's, um, it's, it's creatively really interesting, I think, to do this. And what is the, place of technology in art how do you leverage technology and how do you see tech sort of changing the way artists works um so i think for us you know we've obviously used social media and all the basic kind of tech tools um we're planning to buy land as we speak on the metaverse as well because that's something that my head of strategy is very keen to do um lease so I think we've always, and you know, we've used blockchain to track the certificate of city. So we've, I've always seen tech as a tool. Um, I don't value tech more than a tool, I think, as a person, because I, it's a philosophical side of me. I just don't think it should be ever more than a tool per se. Uh, but it's obviously an incredibly efficient, powerful tool. Um, not integrating tech in the running of your company would be at that stage very challenging to run a company at a, at yeah. a large scale. Um, but it's true that like, I don't really relate to the whole cult obsessiveness of some of the articles on tech and art because I just, I don't, yeah, I don't see tech beyond a tool. It's ultimately a very efficient tool that can get people to do loads of things with it. Um, that is my relationship with it. And I also, you know, I am um, in a relationship with a VC, B2B tech, so I think I also 
it's probably the balance of our relationship where I'm on that side, he's on that side. But it makes me deeply aware of all the latest um, innovation in that sector. But yeah, it's a, it's a tool, it's a yeah. machine for me ultimately. So it's integrated, but that's it. Thank you so much, Maureen. Can you tell me what's what's coming up for you and, and MTArt? Um, what's coming up? We So we're opening the office in Durham in November. So we actually launching the World Cup with Amazing. a 19 meters um, sculpture of our artist, Lorenzo Queen, um, in Durham, then, which will be amazing. I think from a, an impact perspective to be, you know, if you think of the millions of people who watch the World Cup, they're certainly going to see art as a kickoff of it, which I think is very meaningful for us. Um, so I'm just going to be learning about this. I'm going to be learning about... Um, building a company you know in like five different countries um so at the, at the minute yes it's just relearning about the structure of my firm but i like it i'm back at the ego stage i'm just learning about it thank you so much for listening to this episode of the wallet please share this show with your friends and subscribe on your favorite platform You can also leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It only takes a few seconds, but it helps more people find our show. The Wallet is taking a little break in August, so join us again in September. But in the meantime, we're running some great events and bootcamps about investing for you. So sign up at vespot.com events or through the links in the episode description. Have a good summer. <laughs>